Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Flashpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. We are walking you through the flames. This week, the debate focuses on your social media posts. Americans have been tweeting and Facebooking for years, but with the rise of Me Too, Black Lives Matter, and cultural sensitivities, could your old posts land you in the hot seat? Right, messages, social media, email that you wouldn't want thrown back in your face. What it's like to get called out. If you're getting notifications on your phone from 200,000 people that are telling you to kill yourself. And how to respond. My first reaction was to go back and say, that's not what I meant. We walk you through the flames of conducting an end-of-the-year social media audit. He went to the men's room to change his son's diaper, and the image of his workaround went viral. I I want to stand in that gender box. A Philly-bred dad's movement to end one form of daddy discrimination. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program, Organ Donors Save Lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Welcome back to the Flashpoint Podcast. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is your social media. People have been posting on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for years now. And with the rise of the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and cultural sensitivity in general, your old tweets could land you in hot water. A perfect example, Kevin Hart. When he was named host of the Oscars earlier this month, years old homophobic tweets resurfaced. I've spoken on it. I've said where the rights and wrongs were. The backlash forced Hart to step down from the Oscars and tweet a new apology, but people far less famous get fired or worse because of social media. So should you take the end of the year to audit your posts? And how do you clean it all up so that what you said way back when won't hurt you in the future? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Stephanie Humphrey, a tech life expert and founder of Till Death Do You Tweet?, We also have LaRon Anderson-Bell, a professor at Temple University who is a digital media veteran with an expertise in crisis communication. And finally on the phone, we have Paige Wolf, a blogger and communications professional who has walked through the flames, (laughs) y'all. Everybody, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Steph, I want to start with you. People tweet and post to Facebook, IG, lay out the problem as you see it. And has has had your phone ringing off the hook well, recently? Well, it's because the internet never forgets. Mm. You know, I think people tend to believe the idea that things online are ephemeral and you can delete them and they go away, but they get stored on servers. They get you know screenshot. They get reposted. They get reblogged. They get regrant. So you you have to go in to your internet usage with the mindset that anything you post will potentially be there forever. And and if you do that and you understand that that is the case because everything online is searchable and recoverable, mm-hmm. if you go in with that mindset, then that really does affect how you make your decisions around what you decide to post. And so, LaRon, you think about, as you know, you're out here doing crisis communication. Um, an old tweet, an old post comes back mm-hmm. to haunt you. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's it's pretty much guaranteed. And you have web intermediaries like the Wayback Machine. Oh, I, should, yeah. I shouldn't even be talking about it, right? Like, that's the big secret. That really 
makes things immortal. So in this day and age, from a common sense perspective, you really shouldn't be posting anything online, anywhere online. You know, I'm talking about direct messages, uh, social media, email, frankly, that you wouldn't want thrown back in your face publicly, that you wouldn't want an employer to see, that you wouldn't want an admissions person to see, that you wouldn't want your spouse to see. All of it is out there. Like she said, all of it is recoverable. It's not that it will happen to everyone, but there's the potential there for it to happen to anyone. Paige, you've been dragged on Twitter. You've dragged other people on Twitter. (laughs) You've had incidents, and they're not too far off, where you misspoke and it came to bite you in the butt, so to speak. First, I want to clarify that when I am posting on behalf of a client, I am very careful, very curated, very conscious of tone, obviously speaking from the voice of the client. But when I post on my own behalf, I don't have a filter. When I post on my own behalf, I will go off on whatever my personal opinions are, politically or otherwise. There is real power there. And I have been in circumstances where I have led a charge in something that I believe in and actually made change. I have also been on the receiving end where I said something that wasn't perceived with the tone in which it was intended. Um, For instance, it's very hard to read from a tweet whether someone's being sarcastic Mm. or, um, you know, what they mean, what what context it's in. So I once posted something that was not framed in the context that was intended, and there was a a famous author who I truly admire who sort of... um, subtweeted and dra- I started getting dragged. <laughs> <laughs> and my first reaction was to go back and say, that's not what I meant, which is not necessarily the, the, the right reaction to just immediately sort of be defensive. So I, I had to sort of sit with it for a minute and think about how to come back and, you know, personally message her, explain, you know, more involved what my intention was. And she was gracious enough to sort of delete the whole conversation and, and move past it. Um, but, One does need to be very careful. Read something a couple of times before you post Mm, it and pretend you are the consumer of that information. And we'll and we'll pause on that because we're going to give some advice later. But when you get dragged, you're getting pulled all over. <laughs> it's like you feel physically actually dragged across exactly. inside of a computer. Well, I don't think anybody well, is. Their gifts and the memes and uh, yeah. the pictures of you physically being dragged. <laughs> <laughs> and the, but the, the, the problem comes in, though, is when people don't expect for those things to happen. Right, you know, you, right. you look at you look at a case like Justine Sacco. She had 170 Twitter followers and she tweeted something and she got on a plane. And by the time she landed, she was the number one trending topic in mm-hmm. the world. Everybody wanted to know, has just hashtag has Justine landed yet? So, you know, regardless. Explain that and give, give the backstory real so quick. So she, she was in London and she tweeted something that was very, very racially insensitive. She she thought they were it was funny. They were jokes. You know, I'm using air quotes. Air quotes yeah. um, she got on a plane in London. She's from South Africa. She By the time she got on the ground in South Africa, she was fired. She... <laughs> Again, was the number one trending topic on Twitter, mm-hmm. and she had been getting, she was receiving death threats. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think people understand what it means to go viral, and and yeah. because no one expects that, none of us have, you know, a jillion followers. If we're not Ariana Grande, we don't expect that the the world, the whole internet, might pile on mm-hmm. to something that we say. But we need to be mindful that that could happen too, because even if you don't get fired, if you're getting notifications on your phone from, you know, two hundred thousand people. Right. 
that are right. telling you to kill yourself or, or whatever, that has a, a, a real psychological effect on people as well when you're not expecting that sort of backlash because it was just something that you didn't mm-hmm. even consider and, and the context wasn't there. People think that, oh, you need to have thousands and thousands no. of followers no. to be listening even to this conversation, no. right. but no. you can no. have a handful. Uh, a handful. Yeah, right. exactly. Your family yeah. and college friends. Exactly. Once you create the account, you have no more anonymity. That's no, it. it. That's it. All you don't even need any followers. You know, once you're there, once you're present, once you're posting, that content is available to absolutely anyone. Mm-hmm. But really, I think one of the funniest anecdotes about uh, a person with no social media following who said something that was taken out of context and got dragged. So the the snack moon pie. You all know that. Yeah. They've got, like, a really, really savvy social media person. It's got a big following just for being really funny and quirky. Some guy who had, like, maybe, you know, 10 followers wrote, quote, your time is wasted on Moon Pie's social media. What he meant was, wow, you're so talented. You should be doing something even bigger than that. But what people (laughs) read was, like, Moon Pie's social media is a waste of time. Wow. I wrote back and said, buddy, it's Saturday night, and you're talking to a marshmallow sandwich on the internet. <laughs> right. Whose time is and really wasted. 55, and that got 55,000 retweets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, this guy woke up like, what? I just That's got what I meant. <laughs> you really have to think about what you're posting. Sometimes you are intending to stir the pot. During Christmas break last year, there was a big war with Roseanne Barr on mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah. That, that I kind of started. Oh. And. Because what happened was I had written a blog post about things that I was looking forward to in the new year. And Roseanne was my favorite show growing up. And I was so excited about the new season. And I posted about it and I tweeted it out. And then I got a lot of people responding saying, you know, have you checked out her social media feed mm-hmm. lately? You know, super problematic. Pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, she's got to be pretty problematic um, mm-hmm. and politically insightful. And so I wrote again and I said, well, you know, I'm really disappointed to hear that. I'm really disappointed in Roseanne. And I shared that on social media and it got picked up and it got picked up by Roseanne herself. Did you at mention her? Yes, I did. Ah, well. But typically when you do that, I mean, you don't get very much of a response. But I did it purposely because I wanted her as a fan to know how I felt. Um, And she went off and she started tweeting at me, calling me a bigot, telling me she was going to report me for harassment, like, Re- randomly retweeting blog posts of mine. That well, I was we like, all know you. what happened to Roseanne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roseanne, well, and she's morning, also unemployed yeah, right now. Fitting oh. end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that the next time that morning, and I had done this before I went to sleep, and I woke up and I had crazy notifications on my phone, and the headlines on TV were that Roseanne deleted her Twitter. And I'm sure mm-hmm. it was not just me, but yeah, I had some peace in that. And I feel... I feel good about that. I feel fine. <laughs> and now she's vindicated. She feels vindicated. And that's how Paige yeah. used uh, social media <laughs> to, to start the pot and drag another person. <laughs> but uh, yes. Steph, so it's the end of the year. I mean, you may have wanted to stir the pot like Paige five years ago, right? But mm-hmm. today you may have a job. So should you do a social media audit at the end of the year? Absolutely. Go back through. Sure. And how do you do it? Absolutely. Um, well, it's funny. I just uh, posted something on, on my Instagram. I do a 60-second tech break every Wednesday. And there is a guy, just a random developer, he actually created a website called willmytweetsgetmefired.com. <laughs> and you can put your Twitter handle in there and it'll pull up all of your tweets from from your entire account uh-huh. that contain language that uh-huh. is 
problematic, that is racism, yeah. racist, that's offensive. Ooh. It'll link back so you can actually go back and delete what mm-hmm. you need to delete. So mm-hmm. that's one way to do it. I mean, otherwise, you really just have to, you know, churn through the data. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of us have thousands, right, upon thousands tens of, tweets, of thousands of yeah. tweets. So, um, but that's a really good and quick way to at least look at your Twitter profile to make sure that nothing. Because I find that a lot of people get the raunchiest on Twitter. You know, because <laughs> your Facebook and your, short, yeah, your Facebook and your and your Instagram or or like of, your mom might be on Facebook, right? Right. They, they kind of have mom's different use cases. Twitter is where people go to argue and to yeah. stir their pot, yeah. and yeah. It, it is it is prime. You know, it was built for that, really. Yeah. So, um, so I would suggest definitely starting there and and checking it out. And, and say the and website and one more time. Will my tweets get me fired? Com. You heard it. And so, I love that. I love that. And so, Laurent, <laughs> I mean, people. The Kevin Hart fiasco yeah. just happened. Yeah. He, it was an old tweet, right, old right. tweets from years ago. Right. For which he had, he had actually apologized. apologized. Uh-huh. So what are the best steps? You you get called out again. The, right. And let's say you didn't apologize. You just forgot. <laughs> right. in 2011, right, right. Right. you were joking years ago. with your friends when you had 16 right. Twitter followers. Right. And now right. Right. you're whoever. And it's eight years later. You didn't do, you didn't go to that website Right, right. It wasn't even around. What right, do you right, do? Right. Somebody, somebody yeah. slap you with something old. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what it is. Every, you know, each situation needs to be taken, you know, for its own. But generally speaking, and from a crisis communication perspective, apologize. That's, <laughs> That's it. Like the, Super the, simple. The, the, the quickest, cleanest, straightest, you know, path through a crisis is to take ownership of what you should be held accountable for. Uh, like a genuine apology too, not like one of these politician. If I offended anyone, right. blah, Sorry blah blah if I blah. Right. You. <laughs> Obviously, you did. So we're past that. So not if. I am sorry. I teach that to my students all the time. Just say sorry. And the thing is, you deflate a lot of you know the wind in the sails, right? If you tell people and you are framing the story on your own, there's nothing to tell. There's no mm-hmm. scandal. You take mm-hmm. the all of the sting out of the bite. So that's that's you know like legitimate real world advice that that we give people um explain what you meant if it's not going to make it messier you know in his case he needed to just apologize <laughs> refer back to his apologies talk about his growth you know that he's mm-hmm. not who he was. You know, I I tell crisis clients, yeah, and you know, and sometimes it could have, and, so and, mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. you know, when you're working with, it doesn't. I don't mean to make it like children or teens or, or whatever, but when you're working with younger people um, who haven't had like the benefit of just life experience, mm-hmm. sometimes there's mistakes that really can be attributed to that. And and you know, another thing I tell people is, you're not who you were, so you can't be yourself anymore. So you also have to think about that. Just in terms of like your digital hygiene, mm-hmm. you know. So, in addition to doing an audit, um, who am I now? Who do I, what is what is my you know persona online? And I don't mean just like oh, are you on brand? I, I hate that, but like just the idea that you really are being a good steward of like your digital, um, being a good digital citizen. Yeah, yeah. your yeah. citizenship yeah. and and just being responsible, and especially for visible people like entertainers and professional athletes and and other types of public figures. You have to be really responsible for your visibility. You have to be like more than just Joe walking down the street. You don't have to be a role model. You know, we, we it's not necessarily that I feel like just because you are a public figure, you now have this heap of responsibility on your shoulders to be a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout. But you do need to understand that you have this platform that people can see so they can see you. It's not necessarily about, you know, yeah, yeah. living like a Puritan. 
but people can see That's you. Right. And remember that, and you have more chance to get dragged like Paige because people <laughs> because can't people see. people are That's watching. Right. And, and, and so, Paige, you, you kind of started talking about it a little bit. You got caught up in some mess, and you said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to get myself out of this. You did an inbox. You, you did one-on-one conversation. Right. What are some of right. the other ways you did to walk yourself back out of the dragging? I started to freak out. I remember it was about 9 o'clock at night, <laughs> and I took a deep breath, and I, I walked out of the room, and I, and I was like, before I go back to the phone, let me think about this. Let me put myself in the shoes of the person who read this, understand how they took this, and how I can walk this so back slow down. in a way that does yeah. not escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, in general, and that's the point about ownership, right? If you're going to, if you are going to have a feed and you're going to be on social media, you need to own that's right. what mm-hmm. you say, mm-hmm. whether it is what you meant or what you did not right. mean or something you did right. not mean anymore. So like in the circumstance of Kevin Hart, first of all, those tweets were not, some of that stuff was not that long ago. It was not just poor taste jokes. It was some deeply, deeply problematic and offensive stuff. And what he could have done would have been to say, again, I, you know, I take responsibility for the things that I had said. I have grown. I no longer believe those things. And here are the actions I am taking to move forward. Again, it would have been fairly simple. But he just was like, well, people know who I am now. Well, no, that's not good enough. You know, it's just you have to take you have to take the ownership of it. If you're going to put yourself out there um, and if you're going to share a view, you have to be ready to defend that view. Yeah. We're ready to say, apologize for it. I, yeah. or either to defend it or to apologize for it. That's it. You can't yeah. just because even put defending, stuff out there. I think sometimes defending it, yeah, makes even, it worse. even you can makes yourself it worse. so much yeah, deeper it just in makes the hole. It worse. Yeah, yeah, it just makes you, it worse. It depends on what it, I mean. You have to, and I've seen, I've seen people that I greatly admire misspeak mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. be dragged rightly so. I've seen, you know. Bet Midler say things that yeah. probably shouldn't have been phrased a certain way and then mm-hmm. try to defend them before realizing the best thing for her to do was to say, I misspoke and mm-hmm. I apologize. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. And let me listen to those people right. who right. are offended yes. about right. why they're offended. Right. Because yeah. clearly mm-hmm. I'm missing something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yes. like the I like the point that because one of the things we had to take social media training here as at Intercom, and one of the things they said was, you know, first of all, don't drink before you respond. <laughs> How interesting. I mean, because yeah. you, you could be out. You could be out. Drunk testing. It's the same thing. You get these, these notifications. Uh, and you start. Like, like, right. You start tap, tap, tap. Like, away. Do drink Don't and do, do it this. in anger. Number two, like, chill for a second. Right. Chill right. for a second. Right. 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 It's just take a minute. Because take I think that chill for it. Like, at Paige said, you know, just... Take a breath. Yes. Right. No, don't just right. fire off another But you know, the tweet. thing about social media, though, is that expectation of immediacy. Mm-hmm. That It's like, I mean, how how many times have you, you texted somebody no. right, 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 right. and you're like, oh, my God, it's been eight seconds. Why I did that person respond? Right. I get accused of that all the time, but I have, like, lightning fast fingers, so I just happen to tweet really fast. But anyway, so there is that, that expectation that someone's going to. Um, respond really fast or defend themselves really fast or get louder, you know, so to speak, really mm-hmm. fast. And it's just going to escalate. And that's what, like people come for that. It's right. almost like a spectator sport. It's like a fight, you know, like, right. running, running to the fight, right. running you know? toward the fight. And so, yes, you should take some time to think, get your thoughts together, understand how you're going to approach it strategically. Granted, if you're asleep, you don't know. If you're on a plane, you don't know. But the minute you know, you need right. to be proactive. Right. And think about it. And so when you go through these tweets, how do you know? Like, you know, you might say, well, I wasn't that bad. 
Listen, it's a personal choice. You know what I mean? And and I was having this conversation yesterday. Everybody wants to kind of jump on that free speech soapbox. And mm-hmm. sure, that's a, this is America. You you can't be mm-hmm. jailed necessarily for, for your tweets. <laughs> However, those platforms, your employers, schools, universities, they don't have to abide by that. They don't. They you have, know, are, that doesn't, that doesn't apply. Rules. The First Amendment doesn't apply to any of those entities. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, if, if in fact you feel like, you know what, this is my tweet, I stand by it. Be prepared to stand by it and defend mm-hmm. it. And if something comes back up, then you'll just have to deal with those consequences. And free speech doesn't mean there there isn't a repercussion. Absolutely. You know, we have we, we we learn in school that just because you can say whatever the heck you want doesn't mean that if you yell fire in a movie <laughs> right. theater, you it's know, the age old so right, you, that that you're not going to get in trouble or be held responsible there's for the chaos con- you cause. There's always consequences. And and so let's talk about that because people literally, you could be a nurse at a hospital, say yeah. something questionably racist right. and get fired. You right. could be somebody, right. you know, but you know, you represent your employer. Or you, you, or whatever. Yeah. And you get fired. It's a character issue. That's and, right. and at this and me point, too. all of us, sexist, all fired. of us at this point mm-hmm. in, in, you know, this is 2018. People need to understand that employers and schools that they attend are looking at them as representatives of that organization. Right. It doesn't mean you're the spokesperson, but you work here. But and you so work here. you are affiliated mm-hmm. with us yeah. and simply by that association people will assume that we as the as the company, as the school, as whatever may hold those same views. Exactly. And all of that negative um, attention that's being attached to you mm-hmm. now can cost that employer money right, or right. that university uh, money advertisers, and yeah. affect the bottom line. Right. And you know they're right. not having none which, of that. Which is why, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's invasion of privacy. No, it's not because that employer had a, a completely legitimate reason. That's right. To be looking out for their own best interests. Yeah, and you know, it's not that hard to just you know don't be racist. Like right, yeah, like don't <laughs> exactly. be offensive. Like just like, don't do it, <laughs> or at least don't do it in a, on a permanent platform. Right. You know what right. I mean? Go to happy hour and 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 right. be and be as yeah. racist your heart. And then deny, deny, deny. Well, no, because then, deny, then deny, somebody's going to take videos of it. Exactly, exactly. Just and like, find don't, you. Don't create a permanent <laughs> record of your right. you know tendency. Right. And, right. I, and I want to ask you, Paige, do you go through and do an audit? Because I know you do blog. You have blog posts. You do uh, all kinds of social media posts. Do you go through and audit yourself and delete some stuff that maybe two, three years ago you were you would stand by, but maybe not now? I don't, you know, so I'm fortunate to be in a position where I work for myself. And it doesn't mean that something I say or do might not be, you know, um, problematic to a client or someone I'm doing business with. But overall, I am sort of in charge of my own agency and I have that privilege. I know that I certainly wouldn't, I don't, since Twitter's been around for 10 years, I think I've been enough of who I am to have not posted anything very problematic. (laughs) However, I am certainly open to learning and growth. And if I get called out for something, um, I've learned and grown from it. For instance, you know, um, a few years ago, um, if someone posted a, a blanket post about white women, I might have gotten all, oh, not white women about it, right? But then I started to listen and to understand where women of color were coming from when they said things like that. And that it was just like when I would, when people would come at me with the not all men, and I would get irritated. And I learned from that and I grew from that. And I started to, so then I started to, when I would see other women, my peers starting with the not all white women, I would come to them and say, listen, think about what you're saying for a minute. Think about the intention. Think about what people, you know, where this is coming from. So it doesn't mean that there's not a place to learn and grow. And it certainly yeah. doesn't mean that I'll never say something that, um, 
I might come to learn that I could have spoken better. Yeah. And so I got to ask, and and that, but do, is deleting, I mean, because people say, should you even delete it? Right. I mean, because Paige, you know, yes. Well, that looked more suspicious. Does it look worse if the way, if you deleted it now? Right. 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 That tweet has been deleted, comes up. I think it, it don't, if someone has, if you have reason to believe that someone has saved it, yeah. Don't delete it. Right. If nobody's seen it yet, sure, go ahead and. Right. And there's it. no way for you to really know, but but right. if you were just on a regular basis doing some sort of social media audit and you're just finding things kind of on your own naturally, get rid delete of it. it. Yeah, delete it. And because timing yeah. makes a difference too. Absolutely. Because from what I understand, you know, Kevin Hart started deleting some of those tweets after he got the offer mm-hmm. to, to host and the Oscars had, you know, because he screenshotted knew they were going <laughs> to be a problem for people. You know what right, I mean? So right. and it was too late. Yeah, and it was it, too late. And by that time it was too late. So you know. I think uh, a regular checkup of of what you're doing, and again, just going back to the mindfulness of mm-hmm. not posting in the right, first place, right, that right, is true. Would right. save you so much heartburn so much, on the back end. So much you know? stress and drama yeah, to be avoided. Just think first. And we're going to do a quick. This is going to be a quick little part of this discussion. We're going to go through. Um, we're going to have a little fun, and we're going to have <laughs> some examples of when Twitter or social media has gotten folks. In trouble, we mm. kind of mentioned this person, mm. Roseanne Barr. Mm-hmm. She blamed Ambien. Mm-hmm. Y'all, quick no. comments on that. Yeah. Um, so having worked <laughs> for the pharmaceutical industry previously, what I thought was amazing and hilarious was when the pharmaceutical company behind that product came out and said. That was a great tweet. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Racism has, is, what is it? Is not it's a known not, side effect. Right, right. Right. And I mean, the thing is, what, what made that so interesting to me is that um, pharmaceutical companies are so heavily regulated. They are very reluctant to engage with the public. Some of them don't even have comments turned on. But the fact that they were like, like okay, first uh-uh, of all. Not us. They were <laughs> like, you're, you're not, ain't getting me right, mixed up in all right. this. Right. And that was, yeah. just, I mean, you know, what a, what a complete. You know, idiotic lack of responsibility and accountability yeah. thing to say, and that yeah. was bad. That was Lawrence, terrible, terrible. Bad crisis communication. Thumbs down. This switch gears the Joy Reid issue. Remember, oh, she had to apologize yeah. to the public yeah. for oh. all again. Posts. And again, that's a situation where all she had to do was apologize. Now, she this is the one where she a, said she had been. She, she wasn't she sure. Yeah, she was yeah, hacked. hacked and, yeah. and this and that. And that's where the Wayback Machine right. came in because right. they, and and for any listeners that don't know what that is, it's an internet archive. So Wayback it's a website of all. All the websites online. So yep, it takes snapshots you can go, continuously. Yeah, you can go and put in any URL mm-hmm. and it'll give you a timeline and you mm-hmm. can see exactly what was posted right. to that particular URL. Go at, look at, at your at embarrassing MySpace moments. page. <laughs> and and oh so that's God, what happened. No. Oh, Once she... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Once she realized she couldn't use the hacking excuse and couldn't say, right, well, this right, and that. Right. It's like, no, sweetie, we, right, have, we right. have the receipts. We have proof. We got the we receipts right but here. But then this raises another question because folks might have old uh, MySpace accounts. Yep, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the way back when she doesn't go back forever. But I'm just but, saying, but people who have those accounts still floating out there. Should right. you go and delete yes. old blogs? That if are, it's offensive. You if, you, if you would be embarrassed or by Or should it. you just, and so you won't be hacked. Right. I mean, I'm just saying. Right. It, if, if, it, if it could be problematic. Like, again, you, you're not who you were 10 years ago. Exactly. So when you were 16, it's like, oh, okay, ha, ha, ha. But now that you are, you know, I don't know, in law school or something or wherever, you really need to think about it and not just act like it went off into this great void. And delete void. that old and blog. And delete that. Like if, you, if you're not using it, it now, it delete it that down. WordPress exactly. blog. Exactly. Mm-hmm. From college. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. And, so, and that Tumblr account. And so, you know, and chime in here, feel free, Paige. We, Scott Wagner got in a big, uh, you know, a bit of trouble during the um, campaign for governor. He was mm-hmm. running against Tom Wolf. Of mm-hmm. course, Tom Wolf won. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threatened to figuratively stomp the governor's face 
during yeah. the campaign. Now, this is a video. Of course, it went viral. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And right. once these ver- videos go viral, you can't snatch no. it back. You can't no. snatch it back. And, he's and he lucky knew cameras that were rolling. He was, he, well, he, he's, he's lucky that somebody it. didn't take that threat he seriously. Right. And, and what would right. you say, uh, Paige? He, he did that on purpose. That wasn't some mis- some misstep right. that he did 10 right. years ago that was dug up. This was that was his campaign. That was like yesterday. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. You he know? couldn't right. snatch it back though. No. You can't snatch no. it back. No, and with videos, you can't say, "Oh, I, I it you wasn't know, me. the misspoke or right. whatever," right. because you me. you taped it, right? And right. you push post, right? It right. wasn't just a, a slip of no. the other thumb. No. And so, can we give a quick list of no's? Like, no sitting. No, you shouldn't. What you shouldn't do these kind of posts. Uh, nudity, profanity. Oh. Yeah. Depend. Well, profanity. Yeah. I think it depends on the situation. So I'll, I'll I'll walk that back a little bit. But no nudity, no racism, no homophobia. Um, none none of the boxes that people can check. Don't say anything offensive <laughs> about it. Period. Don't threaten people. Don't threaten. Don't, don't no threaten. violence. Yeah. Don't threaten with violence. Uh, no, don't know that if you are gonna subtweet or at a celebrity. They may, they may well respond and call you out. Right, and they may have so, people whose job it is to look and do like, that. Right, Beyonce. Like, oh my god! Know, oh my like, god! The beehive is coming. Unless you're ready for their following to right. come for you, right? That's a that's a that's well, a royal dragon. Yeah. You mess with the queen, you gonna get yeah. a royal and, dragon. And some people have <laughs> notifications set for mentions of of certain mm-hmm. things. So you know, again, that's that that's that situation where you have twenty followers, but now you have twenty five thousand people coming for your neck because they were waiting for somebody to mention Beyonce right. or whatever, right. and and right. now they're piling right. on. So right. you gotta you really have to and, be mindful of that and educate yourself too. I mean, that's not really like a, a yes or no thing, but. Um, you can't just jump into these platforms with no knowledge of how they work. And right. I think a lot of people do that and they think, oh, it'll just be fun. And it's there's, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh, I'm just going to try to do this foot surgery real quick. Like exactly. you learn about it. And granted, <laughs> I mean, you know, posting on social media is not nearly as serious as surgery. But my point is you would take a minute <laughs> to figure out if you were to qualified. If this is the yeah. game for you to be in. Yeah, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. And because this is Flashpoint, y'all, we do have to wrap this up. So in your view, given all that we've learned, some of the fails and successes of social media, what is your pithy advice for how social mm. media should be used? And let's leave it on a positive here. <laughs> if it's predictable, then it's preventable. How should it be used? Listen, think before you post. That's it. I believe that so you can absolutely use social media for good. I've talked a lot about that. You can, uh, you know, tweeting to people in power can actually be effective. But again, yes, think before you tweet. Think before you tweet, people. And I want to say <laughs> uh, thank you so, so much to uh, Laron Anderson-Bell. Thank you so much to uh, Paige Wolf, And thank you so much to Stephanie Humphrey for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Next up, his squat in the men's room went viral. Why do I have to leave to go change my child? A Philadelphia native's effort to end a form of daddy discrimination. We'll be right back. But first, here's this week's Flashpoint on the Tweets with Flashpoint associate producer Brianna Bond. Hey, Brianna. Hey, Cherry. That's right. We're taking it to the tweets, getting your opinion on the Flashpoint topics everybody's talking about. So this week we talked about social media, big issue for celebrities like Kevin Hart and for regular people. So we asked you guys, should what someone posts on social media be a cause 
for them to be fired or lose a career opportunity. And the options were, yes, employer's right, as in their right to fire someone. No, it's personal life. Maybe if impacts job and I don't know. So the top answer, Cherry, maybe if impacts job. So basically, people don't think it's that big of a deal if it's not impacting the employer, Cherry. Yeah, and I think that's fair because if you own the business and your employee is causing you to lose clients or something because of social media posts, that's problematic. And, you know, employers should have a right to fire whoever. Um, You know, that's what people are saying. They should have a right to fire people who damage their business. So in that way, it's fair. But then some people may think it's just your personal life. Well, this still is impacting people, and some people have successfully sued employers for firing them for stuff that they've had on Twitter. Either way, I think our panel expressed it's time to clean house. Clean house. That's what we're talking about. Keep yourself out of the trouble. So that's all for Flashpoint on the tweets. Make sure that you subscribe and follow us at Flashpoint Show. Look for the hashtag Flashpoint Poll. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This is the Flashpoint Podcast, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg, and one thing that gets Philadelphia residents hot under the collar is daddy discrimination. You heard me, daddy discrimination. Well, a Philadelphia native made headlines across the country when he went to the men's room to change his son's diaper. When he found no changing tables, the man squatted against a bathroom wall to change that diaper. Well, the photo of him in that pose went viral, and the hashtag... Squat for Change has attracted the attention of so many, including celebrity dads like Ashton Kutcher and rapper T.I. Well, Dante Palmer, remember that name? He now lives in Jacksonville, Florida, but we have him on the phone. Dante, you started some stuff, didn't you? Yes, I did. It's been overwhelming two and a half months, but it's been an exciting time for my family and I. Wonderful. So welcome to Flashpoint. So tell me the problem that you saw and, and, and why you started this online viral campaign. It was honestly something that kind of just kind of hit me by surprise. My family and I went out for um, dinner one night and my youngest son Liam started to cry. He was tired, hungry, and he had a wet diaper. Prior to me going to any restroom, I always point to my 12-year-old son Isaiah to come help me assist with the diaper change. And that's what happened. Um, myself, Isaiah, and Liam all um, gathered together, went to the restroom, and when we went to the restroom, uh, we found out there was no changing table in the stall. Um, something that I really don't pay attention to anymore, I just kind of do what's necessary to change my son's diaper. So I hopped into a, my perfect man squad is what I call it now, and I began to change Liam. Isaiah began to, you know, hand me a new diaper, and when he did his, his duties, he um, pulled his phone out and started taking pictures without me even noticing. Um, at that point, we I got finished up with my diaper change, went back to the table, and that's when Isaiah showed his mother the picture that he has taken. Um, it was something my wife said when she seen that picture of me, you know, performing this, this change for Liam. She said, you know, it's, it's kind of weird that mothers, we don't have to come up with creative or, you know, innovative ways of changing our babies but you fathers do. And at that moment, it still didn't register for me. Um, it was about two weeks later, I was um, sitting home watching the game, and I was like, oh, let me just post this picture to see how my family friends get a reaction out of it. And that's what I did. posted a picture, and about an hour later, um, a popular blog post 
the shade room, emailed me, asked them if they can you know, repost the picture, and I, you know, of course, agreed to it. And that morning, um, that's when it went viral. That's when, uh, you know, a lot of celebrities started reaching out, T.I., the rapper Tyrese, um, Snooki from um, the Jersey Shore, and that's when a lot of the other news media outlets started reaching out as well that morning to get more interviews, like Yahoo, Google, um, Fox, and ABC. And it's just been going uphill from there. Had you ever done that before? I have done it many times. I think it was just this is the first time I actually captured on a photo. But um, if I said this was the first time I did this, I'll be lying. Um, I have three sons, and this has been uh, something I've been doing for a number of years now. Yeah. And so then you came up with the hashtag squat for change. Yes, ma'am. What made you use those words specifically? Initially, I did not think it was going to go viral. And if I had known it was going to go this viral, I would have used a better choice of words. <laughs> and my first caption when I posted the picture, you know, I kind of put a, a reference of um, Colin Kaepernick. You know, I take a knee to this. There was a lot of mixed emotions with that caption. You know, some people say you, you're not supposed to, you know, compare, you know, changing a simple diaper to um, the big campaign of what Colin Kaepernick is doing, right? And I, I realized that, and I, that's something I never wanted to kind of compare, but it was just a joke. It was kind of like a joking matter, and I shouldn't have been joking that way anyways, right? Um, so I kind of like sat back and said, you know what? Tyler Kaepernick is doing his um, his campaign, you know, taking me, and I 100% agree with it. How can I now make my symbol and make it stick so it will be no correlation, no collaboration with anybody else's campaign but my own? So I sat there and I was looking at the picture and I was like, "What can I do? What can I? What what kind of words can I use?" And I, it just popped in my head and I said, "You know, squat for change. I'm squatting, changing the paper, changing the baby. So let's go with squat for change." I had one interview with a Philadelphia, actually a Philadelphia radio station. And I put squat for change out there, and it just went. Um, that's when I think the campaign really formed itself and started going globally viral. Wow. And so a lot of dads deal with this very issue, but it just doesn't make sense to me that there wouldn't be changing tables in the men's bathroom because I know moms fought for this a long time ago. I think society, they want mothers to be, you know, hands-on with the baby. You know, they want the, the moms to be the ones that stay at home and cook and clean, you know, change the diapers, get up 4 o'clock in the morning to, you know, warm bottles, you know, go to the park and push the strollers and have mommy time with the baby. Um, so that's what society views as a mom. And when it comes to a father, they view us as, you know, being home with your family, you know, doing some little tummy time with them, but taking your, take your behind to work, and you work 40 hours a week so you, can, so you can make that money for your family. And now I, I want to shatter that gender box, that gender role of those, those, those stereotypes, what they have around fathers. You know, I'm more than just a person that goes out and work. You know, I want to be that, um, that dad that reads, to his babies at nighttime, you know, do um, bad time with the boys, go to the park and push shoulders and warm bottles. That's the job I want to have. And that's the job that I am doing. And we just want to, um, especially my wife and I, we play everything in our household on the, um, on the same plane. So whether it be cooking, cleaning, taking care of our boys, or going to work, we do everything equally. And if we can just highlight a small piece of our relationship and, and to show the world what, the, the quality of what we share, and, and so everybody around us can kind of follow suit, that's ideal for, you know, the, the world and society to see that man and woman should be on the same equal playing field. We are, we're equals, 
and we should do everything on on that same playing field. Yeah, because it seems like the the men's bathrooms have not caught up with this new wave of of the way people partner uh, in 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 heterosexual or any relationship because the men and the women kind of do equal work. That's the new wave of the way marriage works now and family dynamics works. And it seems like the exactly. the bathrooms definitely agree. Bathrooms haven't caught up yet. The men's bathroom. <laughs> They have not, and, um, you know, you had a lot of, you know, with the positives, from the negative comments, you know, some people are saying, you know, once you just go to the car and change them. My thing is, if I'm paying money in your establishment, why do I have to leave to go change my child in my, in my car? Uh, what, if, what, if, what about those fathers who doesn't have cars, right? And um, Or caught the bus. Say, you know, you might have caught the bus to an event, yeah. Exactly. Some fathers say, you know, maybe it's just local, maybe it's just just your area. And for a long time, I started to believe maybe it's just Jacksonville, St. Augustine area. And then, and then I started getting a lot of fa- a lot of fathers from across the world, you know, hashtag and spot for change. Fathers from South Korea, South Africa, uh, Malaysia, um, Delhi, India. So there's a lot of fathers across the world who are now reaching out saying, I oh, know we, we stand behind you. It's just not a Jacksonville thing. It's a worldwide thing. And we will keep pushing with you. We will keep squatting for with you until this change comes for all fathers. Yeah. And so, what's the next steps? I mean, what are you hoping happens? Are you lobbying somebody? Who 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 you who you bugging right now? So right now we're bugging everybody. So right now we, my um, I have um, a team of three, myself and two other people. It's a team of three of us, and we started to um. Right now we're in a process of making a um a for profit organization. So we can pretty much go out into every city and state and bug these legislators. We want to get in front of every every city councilman, every uh, millionaire in your city and state to say, "Hey, we need this to happen, and we we want it to happen now." Uh, we also created a GoFundMe page because with any successful campaign, it, re- it requires funding. Um, so we we um, create a GoFundMe page um, backslash Squat for Change. So if anybody wants to kind of contribute to us, so we can help that help us push this campaign a little bit further than what it is now, that'll be tremendously, we'll be honored. But we have to get to every city and state, get in front of every councilman, every legislator, and say, hey, we will not leave the city or state until we make it law. At least get something written down so we can get this bill passed. But we won't stop. And seriously, my team and I, we're so hungry for it. We're so passionate. Um, and being as though with this whole viral campaign thing, um, I am now currently full-time working with Squat for Change. And I will. This is my my, my day in day out job. So were you I able to raise money? Time, so, yeah. So I will be here every day, and I will be at, at everybody's door, everybody's face, until they say, "Okay, Dante, we will get these changing tables in our restrooms in our city." Wow. <laughs> so you, this is your job now. So you, so you got funding for this. It was one of those things where I have to kind of step into my job. Um, I had a full time job as a teacher. I got um, let go from my job due to this whole viral campaign. Um, so I found myself being a stay-at-home dad. So with the hours I have now, I kind of transitioned those hours with spending time with my son, but also putting um, a lot of time with this campaign. So you were let go because of the Squat for Change? Yes, I was. Um, so I was let go because I had a, um, a principal. You know, I won't get into too many details of who he was or who he is, but, you know, some people um, follow the opportunity. So when you have a principal that, you know, or anybody who, see someone and they're jealous of that person, um, they they would try anything to bring them down. And what happened was the school was trying to help me um, 
promote their GoFundMe page on my new platform, and I refuse to. I stand for for what I believe in, and I will not deter from what I believe in for anybody. And so they fired you because you wouldn't promote their their GoFundMe? Yes, because they were a charter school, so, you know, they they were ranking on money and funding, too. So, and just because I would not promote their situation, um, they fired me uh, within a week later, and I found myself being a same home dad, which I think is it's, it's all in all still, um, it's, it's, it was stressful at, at the time, but I have to look at the silver lining of things. Yeah. And it gives me more time to stay home with uh, my boys and kind of more focus on this campaign and push it forward. But, you know, I'm all all of all, and we will just continue to push it to change happen for, for, for this campaign, but also for my family. Yeah. And you're originally from Philadelphia? I am. I am from Southwest Philadelphia. Wonderful. And so how can people support you? So if you want to support me, like I said, we created a GoFundMe page, um, Squat for Change. So go www.gofundme.com backslash Squat for Change. Or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all Squat for Change. We also have a website, squatforchange.com, and also gives more details on how you can support us. But number one is funding. If we can get the funding that we need necessary to push this campaign forward, we will be successful in every endeavor when it goes to every city and state in America. Wonderful. And so hopefully we'll be seeing more changing tables in men's bathrooms going forward. So I want to say thank you so much uh, to you, uh, Dante Palmer. Check them out at GoFundMe.com slash Squat for Change. Thank you. God bless. All right. Next up, they are feeding those in need in the suburbs. People don't know. People don't realize. An effort this weekend to bring holiday cheer. We'll be right back. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. We here at KYW are all about community, and most of our nation's major holidays have one thing in common, and that's a nice home-cooked meal. It's hard to imagine Thanksgiving without turkey or Christmas without the holiday ham, but this is the reality for some households. Feast is a nonprofit living up to its name by helping its neighbors partake in just that this holiday season. Plus, they do a lot more, and here to tell us about their ongoing effort is President and Founder John Claus. Welcome to Flashpoint, John. Hi, Sherry. How are you? Wonderful. So tell us about Feast. You guys do more than just feed people. Feast started in 2012, sort of a whim, and we knew that there was a group of people in need, and we made 100 meals. From that point, it has grown up to the point where at Christmas this year or pre-Christmas, we will make over 1,500 meals and distribute them locally to people. Wow. That's a lot of meals. (laughs) When we started, we certainly never envisioned it. We're primarily out in Bucks and Montgomery County, yeah. two of your more affluent counties mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of need out there. Yeah. And that's the one thing about hunger. It's it's not always visible. Very true. And even you talk, take it to the next level and talk about homelessness. There's varying degrees of homelessness. There's varying degrees of hunger. If you look at some of the statistics, Bucks County has about 55,000 people mm-hmm. that are in need in uh, what we call food insecurity. Mm. Montgomery County has almost 80,000. Philadelphia itself has over 300,000. But everybody knows that. Yeah. They understand that. But when you think about some of the suburbs, people don't know it. People don't realize it. It's hidden. Yeah. But you guys do more than just feed people. We do. Uh, We've gotten involved with also supplying winter coats for people at Thanksgiving and Christmas. It started with Colonial Nissan who is part of the Greater Philadelphia Automobile Dealers Association. They do a huge coat drive every year. 
Colonial Nissan, Jason Friedman is somebody that I'm close to. He came to us and asked if he could earmark his contribution to us as a specific charity. And that got us involved. We started doing co-drives locally to bolster the supply that we could then give to other people. Fortunately, through a great blessing that has just hit us, uh, we were contacted through Clothes for Souls, which is a subsidiary of Souls for Souls and Macy's, to get a large supply of coats to pass out. Uh, Macy's has a program where they've been doing it for several years now that they will donate a coat for every coat that's purchased. Wow. That's amazing. So you're going to be able to help a lot of people. Literally, I've got a delivery coming in of seven pallets of coats, a thousand coats that will not only go to people local, but will go to other organizations throughout the region. And this can really, you know, be a game changer. Yeah, for a lot of families because it's starting to get cold. It is cold. It is cold right now. And winter is here upon us officially in just a few days. And so this will be a, a wonderful thing and just in time for the holidays. So why do you do this, John? Why did you, what inside of you is is motivating you to do this? Because you have a full, he has a day job, y'all. I won't even say it's a hustle. It's more of a side love. This isn't me, first and foremost. Uh, there's a lot of other people that are involved with this. As I said, it started in 2012. Literally, two guys were sitting down having a cup of coffee. And we knew that there was, you know, a small need, or at least what we thought was a small need. And we made 100 Thanksgiving meals. Other people got involved. We found out, you know, as we kind of progressed through some of the local school districts and churches, there was a bigger need. Yeah. And it's sort of just grown and taken on a life of its own, sort of. But what makes you decide that, you know, because it's not easy. This kind of work is not easy. What makes you inside of yourself say, I want to help people? I didn't choose it. It chose me. Mm -hmm. And it's something that when somebody comes in to pick up a meal and they cry Mm -hmm. because they tell you that, you know, maybe they weren't going to be starving that day. Yeah. But. You know, they were going to feed their children hot dogs for Thanksgiving instead of a turkey meal. That's the kind of stuff that makes it all sort of worthwhile in the end. Yeah. You know, ultimately, we all have our crosses to bear. But if we can all just kind of reach out and help the guy next to us or the girl next to us, regardless whether it's just feeding or just being nicer to each other would be a really good start. Yeah. And I understand feast means something. Feast stands for feeding everyone at special times. And Christmas time, special time. Special times, we kind of look at it anytime somebody needs a meal. Yeah. Um, We like to send people out. We believe everybody should have leftovers. So we pack it up and give them their meals. So where can people contact you and support you? And if they have coats, I mean, it seems like this coat situation is about to blow up. The coat situation is something (laughs) that was not anticipated, and it is blowing up. People can go to helpfeast.com if they want to help support Feast feastcharitableorg.com if they want to identify people for us that we can help, you know, in the local, in the tri-state area. Yeah. And, um, you know, helping folks with meals, helping folks with coats, computers, all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure that this is just the beginning. We've been fortunate to be able to partner with people like Lissio's Bakery. They donate all the bread for us. Yeah. Uh, We've got a company called Michigan Turkey that actually has turkey that comes in. We've got a truck that's delivering uh, about 1,200 pounds of turkey as I sit here and speak to you. Wow. That we'll use at, this, at Christmas time. And so lots of partnerships. It is lots of partnerships. And it's necessary. Helpfeast.com. Help them out. And thank you so much to you, John, for all that you do and to Feast. And happy holidays. That's it for the Flashpoint Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. 
You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. You can also follow me at Cherry Greg. You can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content using the Radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms and search Flashpoint KYW. And if there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As Palestinian-American writer Youssef Manier once said, freedom of speech does not mean freedom from its consequences. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, happy holidays.